Yeah, this is when the wall comes, right before all that break. You see some of the younger guys start to struggle more, they're more fatigued. And I think that the guys that are most successful are the guys who are able to, to balance working out versus resting. And sometimes resting is, is more important and valuable than an extra workout. Certain things that you're investing in uh, are beneficial to your career and can help further your career. So you have to be smart about what you're spending things on. Clothes are nice. But what you put into your body will allow you to be able to afford more clothes if you're able to perform at a higher level. We always travel the most miles, and now we're playing you know, the hardest schedule in the NBA based on win-loss record and strength and schedule, based on who you're playing, where you're traveling to, back-to-backs, all that stuff. So you just have to tighten stuff up. Welcome to the Kurt Thomas episode of Pull Up. That's right, episode number 40. Back in Oregon, got a nice little homestand going right now. Been able to sleep in my own bed for a few days, taking naps on the couch, enjoying some fine dining and cuisine from Chef B. Had a terrific meal yesterday, had some Thai food. Uh, he made it on the walk, the walk, W-O-K machine that our wifey got for the house. So uh, really looking forward to, to eating that again tonight, as well as having Taco Tuesday, since we are recording on a Tuesday. Taco Tuesday tonight. Uh, carne asada tacos, guacamole. Um, I got to ask for guacamole. I'm going to make sure I text him. Guacamole, salsa, all the works, and maybe a glass of wine to help me sleep. But really enjoying time at home. We, we uh, played the Knicks last night. Jordan, you are someone who resides in New York. You've been watching the Knicks very closely this year. Ten wins. There's rumors that Chris Stapp Porzingis could be wanted by other teams. I'm sure he's wanted by a lot of other teams. Um an extension seems imminent, hasn't come yet, but I would imagine the Knicks are going to extend him. Uh, what What are you hearing around the New York area? Is he going to be a Nick uh, going forward, or will he be a uh, future San Antonio Spur? Will he be coming to the Western Conference, to another team? Uh, what, what do you think is going to happen with his situation? CJ, I think the perception with Porzingis is that at 23, he is a really good and potentially great player, but... It's also that maybe he isn't a true number one guy. Maybe he's not a superstar. Maybe he's a complimentary piece, a really good one, but not a not an elite player. And when you have that kind of size and you start to wonder about feet and knees and, he, you know, he's already had injury problems. And so I, I just don't know if – I don't know if he's ultimately going to be the long-term solution of a superstar that New York needs. I also don't know if he's not going to be a Nick. I mean, if you really think about – you know, a homegrown player, he's the best one they've had in a really long time. And so I, I you know, the Spurs have been mentioned, obviously, that that could be a, a possibility. But I don't think that's a probability based on the fact that, you know, the Knicks, they have a really good young player, potentially another one in, in Knox, maybe Nilakina at uh, 20 years old, maybe Mitchell Robinson, who's still a teenager. But Porzingis, in theory, should be the centerpiece of all of it. Yeah, I would imagine they want to keep him. They're in a position to potentially land a couple of superstars this summer or at least one. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him. I like the Knicks' young roster right now based on what I've seen. Obviously, Noah Vonley is my ex-teammate, so I'm a big fan of Noah. Shout out to my guy, Noah. He's playing well. He's shooting over 40% from three on the season, kind of getting a chance to show his versatility playing a complete game. He's rebounding. He's defending. He's initiating the offense at times and uh, looks very comfortable. Uh, off air, you asked me about Moutier. 
Uh, I think Moutier looks great. You know, he's a big guard. Uh, he can finish around the basket with both hands. Um, he's good in the pick and roll. He's got a nice little pull-up jumper, and his catch-and-shoot three-pointer is yeah. around 37% this season, according to our scouts. So I think they got some great pieces in place. Obviously, Mitchell, Mitchell Robinson didn't play. Kevin Knox is trying to find his rhythm and uh, getting more playing time as of late, the last uh, eight to ten games. And uh, Frank was hurt, so I wasn't able to see Frank tonight. Yeah, two guys there that stand out. One is Frank um, because players I've talked to have said they really like him, and it's almost like the fans are impatient with him. He's uh, barely 21 years old, and he he's basically been asked to come in and be the point guard of the future, and I don't know if he's quite ready for that, but when he's played, I think Nicolina's been really good. Uh, as a defender, as a secondary playmaker, he's got good size. So that's one for me, and then two – uh, the guy you did see last night, Kevin Knox. We, we've talked about him a little bit, but what did you see specifically that makes you think he could be a, a real, a really effective scorer in this league? Because when I saw him in summer league, he was terrific and, and he was dominant and 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 you know he really looked the part. But that's against you know non NBA players for the most part and also uh, non complicated defenses. Yeah, I, I I completely agree with you. I think that when he's healthy, uh, he's a problem out there. He, he Obviously has the shot shot blocking ability and credibility around the basket. He's extremely long. He's made top ten plays a few times this season on catching lobs. So I think the 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 future is very bright for him. Obviously they have Chris Stapps who potentially could come back at any point. You have Noah Vonley who's going to be a free agent. You have Anis Kander who possibly could be a target for a lot of other teams who are looking to make a late push uh, into into the. Uh, postseason, you know, before All-Star break. So they have some pieces here they have to figure out how to use them. Courtney Lee's obviously a guy who can contribute to a lot of teams. He's not playing right now in favor of the young guys in, in the rebuild. Um, but I think that they're doing a good job of trying to develop talent, figuring out, you know, what guys will be useful for the roster moving forward. You got Trier. You got some of those guys who will be under contract for the next two seasons. Yeah, you know, I um, I really like David Fisdale. I think he's the right guy for the job. Um, the Knicks are... 23rd and 29th uh, in offensive and defensive rating. And, and, you know, some people will say, well, that's not good enough. Well, they're they're not really built to win this year. They're really figuring out what they are. And then also there's limbo in the in the ownership with James Dolan, whether or not he's going to ultimately sell the team. So all these question marks are going to be really important, specifically Porzingis and Dolan going into free agency, because if the Knicks want to get a marquee guy or a couple really good players – because they're going to have cap, then they're going to have to have stability in the front office. And, um, you know, some teams are fortunate enough, like the Spurs, for example, to have that for 20 years. The Knicks are not one of those teams. And and that's probably the biggest question mark I have for them, uh, aside from all the personnel stuff. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they decide to do. Um, it's going to be a, a summer full of rumors, conversations, visits, a lot of great free agents. Uh, potentially available for a lot of teams in the Eastern and Western conferences. So it's going to be a fun summer, as we like to say. Uh, another fun summer of hectic moves and player tribune articles being written about decisions being made by players. Yeah. We're officially past the halfway mark. <laughs> How do you feel? <laughs> I'm tired. I had, an, I had a random nap today where I was texting. I set my phone down. Next thing you know, uh, FedEx is delivering me a package, and it's an hour hour later than uh, it was when I laid down. So I had a nice unexpected hour nap on the couch, two blankets, a little pillow in between my in between my knees. Uh, always makes me feel a little bit better and more comfortable uh, when I'm laying on my back or my side. But 
I'm a little tired, man. Uh, I can feel I can feel the 40 games I've played. Uh, one game I've missed so far this season with the ankle sprain. Practices are, are shorter. Um, we're having more 20-20 days, which basically means 20 minutes in the weight room, 20 minutes on the court, and then you get off the court as fast as possible because you got to try to pre- preserve your legs. A lot of extra shots in between time on off days and things of that nature. But sometimes rest is the best answer for everything. Uh, massage, float. I'm scheduling hot yoga for the end of the month. So just trying to plan my schedule accordingly so that I can get the, the most out of my body before All-Star break in February. But I'm not going to lie to you, man. It's a, it's a grind, and the season goes fast, but you feel it. Your body feels it when you wake up in the mornings. You feel a little difference in uh, game 40 as opposed to, to game 10. That daily repetition and the tedious nature of the NBA, um, is it is this the hardest time of the season right before All-Star? Is it after All-Star? Just... Like, I feel like most guys now start to um, fade a little bit in terms of not, not necessarily production, although you'll, you'll see that, but just they don't have that same oomph, that same second gear. Yeah, this is when the wall comes, right before All-Star break. I would even say late January is usually when the wall comes. You see some of the younger guys start to struggle more. They're more fatigued. And this is when your diet, how, how many hours of sleep you're getting, your preparation, how you restore your body. This is when everything kind of starts to show because you're 45, 50 games in. All-star breaks not at the halfway point. It's, it's more so 55, almost 60 games in, maybe even 60 games in uh, before you have your first all-star break. So guys are really trying to figure out how to preserve themselves. And you'll start to see shooting percentages will drop a little bit. Um, this is when you get more injuries for, for, for guys who are playing heavy minutes. Maybe it's the groin, maybe it's the hamstring, or it's the back. Tendonitis starts to flare up. Uh, inflammation is, is flaring up if your diet's not tight. And it's coming regardless. But uh, it's it's always interesting to you know kind of look around the locker room, talk to the rookies, see how they're feeling, and um, really just kind of figure out ways to to reflect and take yourself away from basketball. And I think that the guys that are most successful are the guys who are able to to balance working out versus resting. And sometimes resting is is more important and valuable than an extra workout. So is this is it safe to say then that like okay, so the nutrition, the sleep, uh, the rest, all of that. It, does it matter more now than it did not only in November, but will it matter more now than it does maybe in April because you can see the finish line? Yeah, I think I think it matters throughout the entire season. You just want to try to build as many good days as possible consecutively. Uh, but as the season progresses, as you face back-to-backs, I mean, up to this point, up to today, as of today, we've had the hardest schedule in the NBA. So we always travel the most miles, and now we're playing, you know, the hardest schedule in the NBA based on win-loss record and strength and schedule, based on who you're playing, where you're traveling to, back-to-backs, all that stuff. So you have to tighten stuff up when you have essentially a game every other day. We play Monday, Wednesday, Friday, fly to Denver on Saturday, play a back-to-back Sunday, Monday with Denver and Sacramento. So that's basically a week right there where you play four games in six days, five games in, what is that? One, two, three, four, five games in eight days. Yeah, eight days. Yeah, yeah depending on how you look at it with the, with the timing of the, the back-to-back. So you just have to really tighten stuff up. That's when you try to stay away from the fried foods. I love French fries, so that's going to be in my diet once or twice a week as a make-me-feel-good type meal. And I'm on a no-dairy diet right now, but maybe once a week I'll try to dibble in something that has a little bit of cheese, a little bit of something I'm not supposed to have in it. But the funny part is I gave Chef a, a day off 
uh, last week, and I had buffalo wild wings, and I had some oh. stuff I probably shouldn't have eaten. And you, you feel a difference. Like, yeah, your right. Your body feels different. You feel a little sluggish. It's it's funny how that works, but it's always interesting to see the little effects of adjustments in your diet and how you react to it. So to elaborate on what you were saying about travel, um, the average NBA team travels 44,000 miles a year. That's 7% more than, than the NHL, but 36% more than Major League Baseball and 441% more than NFL teams in terms of the miles. And with that in mind, that's the average. The, the, the Trailblazers, you guys have clocked uh, in the last decade 543,000 miles, which is 40,000 more than the second place. In other words, no, not only do you travel the most in the NBA, but you guys travel the most in all four North American sports. So with that in mind, I can imagine that the attention to detail is that much more important. And for rookies and young guys that haven't been there before, it's do you do you see that they have to experience it the bad first in order to understand how important it is or are some guys maybe you were like this able to figure it out before really having issues I mean I tried to develop uh, a plan and a routine early on in my career you know being injured allowed me to kind of ex- experiment with different diets experiment with going to sleep at different times and, and just essentially work out differently because of the workload and me not playing but as you get more minutes you have to be smart with how much you're lifting, how often are you lifting, the recovery-based lifts versus strength training lifts where you're trying to improve your strength. And then there's the stretching, ice, steam room, sauna. How often are you doing these things? How often do you go in and get 900 threes up versus getting 200 makes or 250 makes? There's ways to kind of be productive, and there's ways to where getting extra shots is is counterproductive because every time you you shoot, you're jumping, right? So that's stress on the knees, stress on your back, stress on your Achilles, your ankles. It's the it's the extra pounding and impact that you have to be weary of uh, throughout a season. And I log a lot of miles, we travel a lot, so those jumps matter, and you want to limit those jumps as as often as possible so that you can save them for the game. And I think that. The younger players are starting to see, you know, on optional days or blackout days, like, don't come in. Sometimes, you know, the coaches will say, hey, you don't have to come in today. That means you've been working extremely hard when they volunteer for you to not have to come in and work out. And there's other days where you may be off and it's best to just go do the ice tub. You know, go get in the whirlpool, go get in the hot tub, maybe get in the swimming pool a little bit and just stretch and uh, have a recovery-based day uh, mentally and physically. So. Mm. Our rookies are doing a great job. They're only 19 years old, so they're learning a lot about themselves. Obviously, they're on that fast food diet. One of them has hired a chef, and the other one is probably leaning towards hiring a chef. So they're learning that you know this isn't this isn't AAU. You can't yeah. go eat McDonald's and Burger King and go play five games in a day anymore because this affects you. This affects how you sleep. It affects how you recover. It affects it affects your mood and everything in between. So. Um, that's that's one of the important things, those 19-year-olds. They'll learn, and, and when they're 23, 24, uh, there'll be a, a, a big difference in how they play, how they respond to certain things, and, and how their body acts. How's the homie uh, G. Trent doing? Because I would imagine that given the fact that his father played, he's been – well, did he hire a chef, right? G. Trent does not have a chef as okay, of that's it. Tuesday I, I am gonna, that I know of. I am not happy with him. I'm going to hit him up because that he he's the guy that should have it. 
He knows. G. Trent is the guy who's already a big guard, right? So his di- he has to tighten up his diet yes. because he has the body. There's like there's a bunch of players in the league where you look at him and you say he's going to be fat when he gets older. Yes. And there's yeah. certain players to where if they if they don't exercise, you know it. Like yeah, G. Trent's a guy who could get fat when he gets older if he doesn't work out. Anthony yeah. Anthony is s- super skinny. Yeah. Right. So he can eat terrible. When he retires, and it'll take longer for him to get big. But those big boned guys, they have there's that a list genes. of guys in the league, yeah. like yeah, yeah, where if they don't exercise when they retire, they are blowing up. And you know who they are. I'm not going to say the names, but you know who those guys are. So yeah. it's just about making conscious decisions. Uh, I think that as he gets older, he'll get continue to get smarter. He's tightened up his diet a lot. I'm, I'm recommending restaurants to him and places he should eat at and foods he should eat. But you also got to remember everybody's on a different type of uh, budget. So chefs are expensive, especially in a, in a place like Oregon. And uh, guys are making conscious decisions to, to either save money and eat Jimmy John's or, uh, you know, spend that anywhere from 30 to to $100 a meal, depending on uh, if it's made in your kitchen or delivered to you. Especially on, that, on those rookie-scale deals. Yeah, you're talking about a guy, a guy who is a second-round pick. Yeah. You know, he, got, he has to be financially smart, too. So I, I commend him for... You know, doing some of the things, you know, the right way off the court and budgeting and not uh, approaching this the wrong way, understanding that this money does not last forever. You have to make it grow. Yeah, but what's hard is that, okay, on one hand, your investment is your body because everything, all the income is revolving around your body in terms of its health uh, and its peak performance. But on the other hand, if you overspend or, you know, start Going down that path, even if it's an investment in your body, that can be dangerous as a rookie who's not making the same as, well, let's say CJ or Dame, so or Nurk or any of these guys that have ex- are established stars. So that's a tough balance. Do do, do players ask you about that? Like, um, not only where they can get go to a restaurant, but uh, do you do you recommend this chef or what 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 kind of food should I be eating? Because obviously you have nutritionists, but as somebody that has been around and understands it, are guys coming to you? Yeah, some guys are are coming to us, uh, Dame and I, for advice. Obviously, from a financial standpoint, there's levels. And um, you always say stay in your financial level, stay in your financial zone, but also understand that, like you said before, certain things that you're investing in uh, are beneficial to your career and can help further your career. So you have to be smart about what you're spending things on. Clothes are nice. It's important to have clothes, but what you put into your body will allow you to be able to afford more clothes. If you're able to perform at a higher level, if you're able to stay healthy longer, if you're able to recover faster, you sleep better, all those things will affect how you play and how long you're able to play. So uh, for me, I didn't hire a chef till my third year uh, in the league. Uh, I, I explored those options, but I found that you know we, we get two meals a day at the practice facility anyway. So that's your breakfast, that's your post-practice meal, lunch. You can take something to go if you want, that's your third meal. And you just have to kind of figure out how many meals you want to eat a day, whether that's three or four, the portions of it. I'm the type of guy who likes to eat every three hours, Uh, whether that's an apple, a banana, some type of fruit, an actual full meal. I'm eating something every three hours. And uh, it starts with breakfast, lunch. Chef is usually cooking lunch and dinner, sometimes breakfast, depending on the day. And I always have leftovers and something in the house to snack on, but... What gets younger kids is the snacks, the type of snacks you're eating. In college, you're eating Skittles, gummy bears, Twix, Kit Kats, you know, all those types of snacks that uh, aren't naturally made, um, artificial snacks and candies. When you get older, you get introduced to, you know, the multi-grain bars, the 
uh, what's it called? The, the nuts, the berries, um, things you can grab and go, but they're healthy for you. You like chips and guac, the, the superfoods where you're getting the nutrients you need. You're getting the avocados, you're getting the fruits, some of those things that uh, help take away inflammation as opposed to adding inflammation. Like I love hot Cheetos, but I try to stay away from hot Cheetos in season. I know Draymond talked about it. Uh, one of the things he gave up last year was hot Cheetos and he couldn't wait to get a bag after the last finals game. We all sacrifice something throughout the season because uh, we want to take advantage of, of the primes of our lives. And I think the athletes uh, around me that I've seen start to learn. And I mean, being 19 years old, you probably don't think you need a chef. And then you get to taste a meal from a chef, and you're like, wow, that was amazing. And then a lot of times you have younger guys whose parents are around. Like my mom was out here, so she was cooking for me every day. And I just had her shot with the team nutritionist and figure out ways to make the things I liked healthier and healthier versions of the things I liked. So it's just an experiment, and everybody does it differently, but you can be successful. I mean, I was successful eating McDonald's. I've been successful eating grilled chicken sandwiches with cheese and everything on it. And I've been successful eating uh, vegan meals and, and, and non-dairy meals. So it's just about your work ethic and how you do it. But from a long-term standpoint, if you want to last in this league for a long time, it's important that you tighten up those little things because even the Kobe's of the world at some point tighten up their diets. And you're talking about the most elite players in the world. Yeah, well, they asked Kobe recently what advice he would have given his like 19-year-old self or 18-year-old self. And he, he literally just said, stretch. I mean, if that doesn't tell you all you need to know, just stretch. Like something so small that's so big, you know? That's important. Stretching is stretching is very, very important. Something that is underrated and undervalued in this league. And it sneaks up on you at, at older age. Think about how you move now compared to how you moved in college. Like it's, it's night and day. Like it, it all changes. Yeah. You know, it, I, I'm thinking about our earlier conversation we had uh, – you know, the, these young guys that aren't making a lot of money, it sounds like you're just encouraging them to play a lot more Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even play Blu-ray, and I got a lot I of know, money. I so know, I know. I know. I'm, I'm I just joking. I, I, I also got Uno. I got Uno. Uno is, Uno's our, a shit. Uh, I love that game. One of our staff at, with the Blazers bought me Uno, so I'm going to encourage the guys to play Uno. Um, what's another game? How about uh, Jenga? Uh, yeah, Jenga's good. <laughs> encourage yeah. you to play some of those types of games. Yeah, Here's 100 grand on Jenga. Oh, no, never, never. But I will say, I don't like to talk about gambling. I don't like to promote those types of things. But for those for those of you that do listen to the podcast, I hope you put your money on Clemson like I did. I will just say that. Hey, we talked about it. We talked about it. It was a nice payday. A nice payday was in the works for a lot of Clemson fans across the, the nation. And I'm sorry in advance to those Alabama fans who uh, took a tough loss. Uh, Losing is a part of greatness. It's a part of winning. And um, Alabama's been very successful historically, so I'm sure they'll bounce back and be in contention for another uh, national championship next season. Well, we talked about Clemson. I said I liked Clemson. Did you did you take the points, though, or did you did you take them straight up? Because that, that was the real play. If I would have took them straight up, my golly, I would have. I would have see, hit a super see, lick, but see, I took the points. How after after the compelling argument I made last week about Clemson having a really good chance to win and Dabble winning this game before you still see? I don't even do you not listen to anything I ever say? Did you? All right, here's my thing. Did you bet on the game yourself? Uh, 
I'm just thinking. No, he didn't. He took too long because if you did, you would have said yes. No, because so you, you know you what? You gave Hold me on. this great advice and you didn't follow it yourself. That's no, no. the problem with me. I have a problem with that. No, no, no. I have a problem it's with not that. that I didn't. Jordan, Hold you on. can't give me advice and not bet on the game. No, no, yourself. let me let me explain it though. I okay. I I wanted to take Clemson, but the people that I was the, 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 all my boys that I was betting with or would have bet with. They all listened to the pod, and they were, they knew that I liked Clemson so much, so they just took Clemson. And I don't have, like, an account to make a bet, so I didn't. However, however, because I agree with you. I, I agree with you. It, but I will say this. I'm really excited about my wine. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. You let me know what you want. I'll make it happen. I've been watching Psalm on Netflix. I just finished Psalm on Netflix. I was learning about um, – Vineyards and, and wineries and the history of it, starting starting in Italy, France, and some of those other countries. Uh, just learning more about the process of how it's made, how it's passed on from generation to generation. Uh, it was very interesting, and it just gave you like different steps in wine and, and how you become a master psalm and went into the lives of about five or six uh, young men and women who were studying for the test and how difficult it is. Uh, basically, there's like 100 and I don't know, 157, 100 and, 150, 160 something master psalms in the world, and Basically, 60 to 70 people try to take the test a year, and usually like five to eight pass. It's, it's, cra- it's crazy how competitive it is and what you have to know about. You have to know the theory of wine. You have to know how many vineyards there are in Germany, the names and pronunciations of the vineyards. And what I thought was the best, I'm getting on a tangent now, but what I thought was the best was the wine tasting they have to do, where they line up um, two, uh, was it three? Uh, three reds and three whites. And you have to essentially smell and taste it and be able to tell the region of it. You have to be able to tell uh, exactly where it was located, the name of it, d- uh, give a description of it in terms of dry, sweet, um, spicy, really go into detail about the wine, where you think it comes from, and uh, some of the substances that you could you could possibly eat with it. It's just so in-depth and unbelievable how much they know about not only wine in general, but the regions of wine, where it comes from, the maps. I just thought it was unbelievable how they could smell something and, and kind of tell like it, whether it was earthy, leather, dark fruit, black cherry, oak, vanilla. It was unbelievable. One of the most interesting two-day spans of Ben's watching I've done wow. in my lifetime. Um, I got to get on that. Did, were you like um, inspired to learn more or were you overwhelmed by it? Oh, man, I was inspired. It's basically one is like an hour and a half, essentially. I wouldn't say like a, it's like a show, but it's more like a movie that just goes into their lives. And then the second part, the master psalms, the the ones who pass the test, you know, kind of shows what they're doing with their lives now. Some of them created wine. Some of them were working for uh, creating their own vineyards or creating their own uh, grapes, growing their own grapes, doing different things. And it just really just talks about like 10 phases of wine, it, like does wine in 10 phases. So it talks about the history of wine, you know, how it relates to the Bible, how it goes back in time, how certain countries were, were more susceptible to creating certain certain uh, grapes uh, based on the weather, uh, based on the circumstances of uh, the war, what was happening. It talks about generals making their, uh, their troops drink before battle, and, you know, uh, uh, one and a half liters a day to two liters a day to three and a half based on when the actual war battle was starting. It was just... So in-depth, and if you like wine, you'll, you'll find it interesting. If you don't, you won't find it interesting at all. But for me, 
someone who wants to go to Italy and France this summer, I was just more so learning about wine specifically in those regions where I should go, what type of uh, wine I should indulge while I'm there, what I should have with it. And um, just getting a better understanding of the world outside of the United States. Well, if you know, as a Pinot guy, Burgundy is is the region in France that is a must for you. I mean, that you you got to do that. But I would be interested to take a little wine trip uh, to Willamette Valley. We, we've talked about that. Let alone France or Italy. So um, you know, I I had yeah, to. You should definitely you should definitely check it out, bro. Oh, for, I'm going to for sure. You should come out here at some point, and we should we should just taste. Uh, we should do like a massive tasting, but. In the meantime, you have to watch Psalm into the bottle, for sure. I'm in. I'm in. All right, more pull up in a minute, but right now I want to talk about simply safe. We all put off doing things we know we need to do. I mean, we know we need to organize the garage or call mom, or in my case, plan out the summer and my off days in season. But sometimes I get in my own way. Funny how security can be like that. You know, it's a good idea, but there's always something holding you back. Well, now is the time to act and protect your home with Simply Safe Home Security. Simply Safe believes nothing should come between you and protecting your home. So they've gotten rid of the reasons not to get home security. There's no contract ever, no price markups from any middleman, and no installation windows. Who has time for that? Most importantly, their system is engineered to do one thing brilliantly protect. So if a storm takes out your power, Simply Safe is ready. If an intruder cuts your phone line, Simply Safe is ready. If they destroy your keypad or siren, Simply Safe will still get you the help you need. Maybe it's overkill. Maybe it's the last thing you want to think about when you're making so many other changes and resolutions. But with Simply Safe, you're always ready for anything. I just got mine and I must say it looks like a real easy way to keep your home secure and your mind at ease. So get a jump on protecting your home at simplysafe.com slash pull up. No time like the present, right? That's simplysafe.com slash pull up to protect your home and family today. Simplysafe.com slash pull up. Let's get back to the show. I'm sure you've been monitoring uh, Jimmy Butler. And uh, he's one guy that maybe doesn't want to be playing that much longer. And there's a report out, see, that Butler uh, would walk away from basketball at 35 years old. Or, um, or in his career at 34, and therefore would only have five years left. So I don't know. It's just this this situation in Philadelphia and really the Jimmy Butler scenario or saga gets stranger by the day, it seems. Um, what, what is your latest sense of that? Because it is very dysfunctional that he's only been there, you know, less than a couple of months and we're already having these types of issues. I think Jimmy just is very outspoken. He's, uh, he's always been authentic. He's always been himself, and he says what he thinks. I think that in, in this particular circumstance or situation, if you're 29 years old and you're seeking a five-year deal, I don't know if I would necessarily share with everyone that I plan on retiring at 34 or before 34, but you're also talking about a guy who's all-stellar caliber, all-NBA, uh, potentially a first-team defender every season, um, hits big shots, has been known to – have legendary workouts, 5, 6 a.m. while he's traveling the world and enjoying life. So, I mean, he's a really good player. It's just about the negative connotations that have surrounded places he's been. I don't know if that's necessarily his fault or or if he's just in the wrong place at the wrong time, but the fact that it's just been a lot of negative clout in certain areas that he's been, obviously the, the Sixers situation with him trying to carve out a, a larger role uh, in the offense, according to Woj and some of the reports that, that were leaked, um, these past few weeks. It's just about 
figuring out the situation, like who's at fault here? Like, is this an Antonio Brown situation where there's a history of uh, being late to meetings and things like that? I don't think so. I think this is more so a case of him just being outspoken, wanting to have a larger role in the offense and also being authentic. You know, as as casual fans, a lot of times we want players to be real. We don't want cliche answers. We want them to really be themselves. But then when players are themselves, when players are real, when players are authentic, when they're cocky and not humble, or when they are boastful, people say, oh, he, should be, he shouldn't be like that or he shouldn't answer questions that way. But it's like, what do you want? You want the athlete to be honest and genuine or do you want him to give you uh, team effort, blah, 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 those types of answers. So I think it's, it's a slippery slope, man. We, we, want, yeah. we want to understand players and know players, but then when players act like themselves, we question you know, their integrity. Yeah. And I think it's, it's kind of messed up. CJ, I think Jimmy Butler is um, – you know, he has this endless tank of gas. He goes uh, really hard. He is a clutch player. He's the kind of guy you'd want on your team because he's not afraid of the big moment. In fact, he embraces it. But, you know, you start to worry about issues that he's had. Now, obviously, in Chicago, there were there was significant turmoil. And obviously, Gar Foreman and John Paxson have their own issues. So maybe you excuse it. Then he goes to Minnesota and apparently isn't happy with Carl Anthony Towns or Andrew Wiggins and, you know, Tom Thibodeau. And now he's in Philadelphia, and I know that they've had their issues, but since he's been there, you think about stability. I mean, Alton Brand is very well-respected around the league. Brett Brown, you can criticize some of his X's and O's, but uh, he's well-liked for the most part by players, I think. And then, you know, he should be able to, Jimmy Butler, in theory, um, acquiesce to a degree to Simmons and Embiid while also asserting himself. But if he's already having problems less than two months in to his tenure in Philadelphia, that's a concern. And it's an even bigger concern considering he says he might retire at 35 years old, which is in five years. Yeah, I guess we'll we'll find out uh, in the near future because he'll be in a position to, to receive an extension from the Sixers or not receive an extension. I think a lot of it will be predicated on how the playoffs goes um, this, this postseason. Do you think Philadelphia as constructed – Assuming that Butler was happy and Simmons and, and Embiid are, are totally held. Like, how good could they be if everybody was on the same page? They could be really good if everyone's on the same page. Obviously, shooting is, is important and spacing is important. Um, but, I mean, based on what they currently have, I think they could be I think they could be a really, really good team. I'm not sure what that means in the Eastern Conference. I'm not sure if that means they beat Boston. I'm not sure if that means they beat Milwaukee. I'm not sure if that means they beat Toronto. But they would definitely be able to contend with all of them and compete with all of those teams. Well, okay. Here's here's the hardest question of the night. As we are now zeroing in on the Cleveland Browns head coach, and this was not on the rundown, <laughs> well, I wanted to surprise you a little bit. Um, Freddie Kitchens is very much in play, it appears. And are you are you happy with that? He called plays for Baker. He helped turn around the season, helped orchestrate seven wins. What's your take on the Browns head coaching position? And uh, if if it's Fred if it's Freddie Kitchens or an outsider, who do you like? Yeah, I've already expressed my uh, take on this. I think that it's important we look at what happened once Hugh Jackson was fired. Look at the way the team rallied around each other. Look at the way the offense looked, how creative the offense was, how explosive Baker was. The reads he was able to make, the growth he showed um, from him playing quarterback with a limited playbook to him playing quarterback with what seemed like an unlimited playbook. He had fakes to himself. 
They ran reverses. They allowed Jarvis Landry, a.k.a. Juice, to throw passes out the backfield. It was just more of a dynamic, explosive offense to where the creativity was there. It was more yeah. so like the Chiefs offense where they were running reverses. It was creative. It was fun. Everybody was getting along. And I think that's a culture that stems mm-hmm. from the coaching staff. Freddie yeah. Kitchens obviously did a great job with the play calling. Trusting Baker, molding Baker. I think that it's a no-brainer. You keep him around. I don't know what his role will be. But if you're looking at hiring from within, I think he's the right decision. If looking at hiring someone from the outside, I, I think Mike McCarthy is, is a guy they should potentially look at. You know, seeing the, the situation, you know, in Green Bay, his his record, his consistency. Um, and you're talking about a team that wasn't extremely talented. They had a, a great quarterback and one or two other pieces, but it wasn't like they were a all star caliber team. You know, that was a lot of great coaching, a lot of great plays being made by Aaron Rodgers. And I think that he could have a similar impact on Baker because Baker can move around in the pocket a little bit, throw on the run. And I'm not saying Baker's Aaron Rodgers, but I'm saying that based on how he used Aaron Rodgers, Baker could be used in similar fashion. Well, I know that you answered the question, but now you really answered it because uh, I don't think Greg Williams is going to get that job. And he obviously did a did a good job in uh, in the interim. So. Um, okay, well, it's good to it's just good to check in on on the Browns. You, you did say to Tobias Harris that there was plenty of room on the bandwagon. I think that thing's filling up pretty quickly. It ha- it has to be. There's not much room left. I agree. And <laughs> we talked about movement in the NFL. We didn't talk about the movement in the NBA and and, and Tom Thibodeau being fired, uh, relieved of his duties as head coach and president of basketball operations. Um, did you see this coming after no. a 22-point victory over the Lakers? No, and just the fact that they went into his office and that was it. Um, out of all the out of all the firings in NBA history, this isn't the biggest surprise, but it's one of the odder ones just because um, it seemed like maybe they were playing a little bit better. But what do you really accomplish by firing a guy in not even mid-January? It's just very odd timing. And I don't really know if that means that the T-Wolves are giving up on the season uh, or that they're – they want a completely different direction, a, a different style of coach. But when it comes down to the the core of this team with Carl Anthony and, and to a degree a- Andrew Wiggins, um, I, I don't know if this benefits them, but I think the timing is extremely odd. Yeah, I think that this was in the works for some time now, you know, based on the circumstances and, and how the season was going. Carl Anthony Towns is, is playing out of his mind. He's being efficient, dominant, you know, feasting off uh, being the number one option. The fact that they just beat the Lakers uh, showed that there's something else going on and, and a decision was made to to potentially get rid of him earlier on in the season. And I felt like they just probably needed a, a fresh needed start, a, yeah. the right moment to get it done. Yeah. Well, I, you know, if you think about, you mentioned Towns and he's obviously one of the great young players in the NBA, $190 million deal. Um, but he's now been through multiple staffs. You know, he, he like I said, he's 23. Uh, Flip Saunders drafted him. He, he died after battling cancer. Then Towns, Towns first coach, Sam Mitchell had one year. Jimmy Jimmy Butler, you know, traded and and now he has a new potentially entirely new staff and a coach that's my age. So it's just odd to me that they would the Wolves would do this now. It seemed like they were over the the hump, not not in wins and losses, but in terms of distractions. They had kind of moved on from the Butler stuff. And you mentioned Towns, he's playing really really well. Uh I don't maybe this helps Wiggins more cuz he has not played Particularly well this year, and defensively, they've been they've left a lot to be desired. I, 
I just don't get the timing of it. That's my biggest question mark. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that in due time, maybe some some other truths will come out based on what happened and why this decision was made. Who do you think is the lead to to become the new head coach of Minnesota Timberwolves? And do you think that will affect uh, UCLA's search for a head coach? Ooh, I like what you did there. Um, I it's very early from the Wolves because. Defensively, they haven't been very good, but offensively, they've taken a, a significant step backward as well. Uh, and like, if you look at not too far down the road in Milwaukee, what Coach Bud has done with the Bucks, having an innovative offense that's based on movement, um, you know that that would make sense to me. I, I, I the only guy that's been re- kind of reported has been Monty Williams. I, I like him a lot, but uh, it's very early. Like, I want to see how they play differently under Ryan Saunders. I don't think he's a legitimate. Um, head coaching candidate. It's not based off reporting, just the fact that he, he's so inexperienced. Um, but I don't think it really – I guess the UCLA connection you're basing off of what? Well, they're both looking for a head coach at the same time, right? Yeah, so but – uh, okay. well, 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 here's a question. Do you think a potential NBA coach – do you think a potential NBA coach would go to UCLA or do you think they would target current college coaches? Well, UCLA should be able to get just about anybody they want, at least in terms of a meeting. I, I don't know – if that's still the case, but I do think they'll be able to to get NBA coaches uh, at least in person for an interview, and I think that's that's probably the better idea for them uh, to go way different because they've had a college coach in Alford for so long. Um, but I guess my question is, what's the better job? Is Minnesota a better job because it's an NBA job, or or is UCLA a better job? I think it depends on what stage you're at in your career. Um, from a financial standpoint, like how much money you're looking for guaranteed. Do you want to have more control over your players? Because in the NBA, the players run that league. It's a player-ran league, and uh, a player can get a coach fired in the NBA, and it's hard for a player to get a coach fired in college. It's more about wins, losses, recruiting, uh, grade point averages, graduation rates, those types of things. But you just have to think about it. Would someone rather live in Minnesota Someone rather live in UCLA. Someone exactly. rather coach in the pack, whatever it's called now, or they rather coach in the Western Conference. There's like a lot of factors. You want to coach Towns and Wiggins and those guys, or you want to try to recruit some guys to play against Towns and Wiggins <laughs> and those guys. So, well, there's one, a lot that goes into that decision. But LA is a nice city, man. And and when you're in Westwood, I, not only are expectations high, but the culture of winning is there. You you just need the right guy to extract it. Um, and, and obviously it wasn't offered. What one name to just I'm just throwing it out there? Former pull up guest Earl Watson. How about that? Yeah, I like I like Earl as a potential candidate. I definitely think he should get an interview and a chance to to sit down and, and explain why he should be a head coach there. But you would imagine they're going to go after all the big dogs. Yeah, yeah. You, you would imagine they're going to throw a number at some of the best coaches in college basketball and some of the uh, potential coaches who are waiting for a job in the NBA. CJ, would you ever coach at any level? Uh, I always say no. Um, I would coach like Little League, like if I had kids uh, playing in a sport that I potentially would coach just to be, you know, more involved with the day-to-day stuff um, as a parent. But I don't think I would be able to coach uh, in the NBA full-time because of the travel. I don't want to travel like that when I have kids and a family. I want to kind of put that life uh behind me. I want to travel at my leisure, not because I have to. And I think that having lived this life already and currently living it, 
it would be hard to be present um, as much as I would like to be as a, as a coach, especially as a head coach. You know what's interesting about that is, A, that's aligned with everything you've always told me about, you know, quality of life. But B, a lot of, I think a lot of players would say they wouldn't coach, but the reasoning would be different in that they would say, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to do it without the control. Like when you're playing, you have so much more control. Or it's so hard to manage egos. But yours is more right. saying you'd, you'd like to have a more relaxed lifestyle and be home with the family. Right. I, I could take a consultant role. And I, I put my bid in for being a consultant, um, which basically means you create your own schedule. You travel when you want to. You help out. Uh, you, you get on court. You do some things similar to kind of Steve Nash's role with the Warriors. Um, you're still able to, to be a, a family man. I think that's what's most important for me. But everybody has different things they want to accomplish in their life. But for me... Um, I want to be involved in, in my family's day-to-day activities. I want to be able to drop the kids off at school. I want to be there to pick them up. I want to be able to do that stuff because I think it's important. And I think it'll it'll greatly impact the the uh, stability and happiness in my in my household. But, um, I mean, things change as you get older. Yeah. Things yeah. change, man. As you get older, like I'm, I'm 27, like how I think – at 27 versus 37 could be could be completely different. Maybe my 10 year old doesn't want me picking him up from school. You know what I'm saying? Like at that point, but um, you just never know. But as of right now, no chance. I'm just no trying chance. trying to imagine you coaching 12 year olds. Give me that one two two. I want a trap full court. Pick him up. <laughs> he can't go left. Come on, ref. No man. I mean, I that's like probably the extent of it. I mean, unless I got like a an appealing job as like a GM or, or a potential yeah. job in, in one of those facets. I just don't, it's just not appealing to me to, to travel nonstop because I've done it. You know what I mean? It's just, I think when you haven't experienced something, you think that you want it and then you get it. So it's like, maybe I would want to be a coach, but right now, no. The hours they work, man, how much time they're away, off days, they're in there watching film, the meetings. It's just like it's a never-ending thing yeah. for them. And it's never-ending for us as players too, but we get to play. Right. See right. the difference? Like this is the prime of our lives. Like, so when I'm 45, like I don't know if I want to be watching film nonstop. Like, yeah. I don't know if I want to do that at 45, 50 years old. Any wagers you like this weekend? Man, uh, I'm going to have to really sit down and evaluate the points as of – let me check. Let me check my phone. I'm going to give you the four lines. As of 7.38 on Sunday, if you wanted to just pick a winner for the AFC Championship, Kansas City was plus 115, New England was plus 195, Chargers plus 500, Colts plus 600. And NFC, New Orleans negative or minus 110. Sheesh, Eagles plus 1,000. That's a nice come up. Rams plus 175, Cowboys plus 750. So favorites are essentially New England and the Saints. I tell you what, not only do I love the Eagles again, by the way, you know, I, I took them straight up. Taking with the you. Eagles over the Saints, it's, pl- it, it's plus eight and a half right now. I just want to let you know that. Yes. Well, our other play was how much was I? I, I we took Bears and Eagles straight up, and, and Eagles won, which was great. But that was like six, right? That was six and a half. This is eight and a half. I like the Eagles to beat the Saints. And you have to understand something. The Saints were my preseason Super Bowl pick. So maybe that's our next game. Wait, don't make this pick with your heart. I just want to warn you. that. No, it, but that's exactly – it's not my heart. heart. Because I, I wanted I wanted to be right. So you really think that they're going to go into New Orleans – and beat the Saints, not just cover. I think they can cover for sure eight and a half. But you're saying they're, they're going to go beat, beat their the Saints ass, in New Orleans. 
Yes. <laughs> hey, I will take that, man, honestly. <laughs> I, know eight and a half. I know you'll I, take it. I want it. the points. I know you'll take that. I'll take the points. I'll take the eight and a half. I'll take the Saints um, comfortably. I will sleep great knowing that eight and a half points. I think the Saints win. I don't even know if they'll win by eight and a half, but I'll still give you the eight and a half if that makes oh. you feel better. Oh, okay. That'd be nice of you. Okay, lock it in. We'll figure out the stakes later. Uh, uh, we can lock it in. If that's if that's what it says, I'll check to see if it, if if the line moves. But I'll even take that. I'll take that. I'll take Saints eight and a half. Let's look at the. Let's bet on all these games. Why? If if we can, New England <laughs> and Chargers. New England's a four. New England's like, a four like point favorite. Are you a New England fan? Pa- Patriots. Yes. Okay, so we so we can't we can't bet on that one because I like the Patriots okay. too. Dallas and Rams. Rams. Rams seven point favorite. Da- Ooh, we may have action. I we love. May have action. I'm all about I'll sleep action. on this one. Okay, Rams, and then I like. I'll sleep um, on that one. I like Kansas City at home to cover five and a half. Kansas Kansas City at home. Andrew Luck. Man, this, the way they dominated the Texans, man, it gives me hope that Luck is Luck is he's the not only is he the real deal, but he's. He's as sharp as he's ever been. I was not surprised. Uh, let's just say that. I, I had Indianapolis over Houston. The way they did it was, I, I guess, surprising in the sense that they dominated defensively. But, dude, Luck, Luck at 29 is playing the best football of his life. He's a legitimate MVP. Maybe not candidate, but he's in that conversation. He's scary, right? I mean, he's one of those guys that you're actually scared of in a big game. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to these games. Uh, it's unfortunate that I think we play both Saturday and Sunday, but – I'll be able to catch some of the early games before we play. But we definitely locked in that uh, that Eagles game. Saints are going to put up big points, but eight and a half is a lot of points to win by in a playoff game. But you never know. Lastly, one of my favorite parts of the show, cue the wine music, please. We've had a lot of time in this last week to devour different wines from all different regions. I'm going through my app now to see what I've had most recently because it's been a little while. Uh, I've made some purchases the last, I would say, week and a half. As I was watching some, I was purchasing different wines uh, based on recommendations, based on taste preference, and what I would potentially like. And I'm just gonna share what I most recently purchased because I had a Walter Scott. I actually had the Walter Scott um, last night, which is something I've already shared with you guys. So I wanna share something new. And I can't find it. So, Jordan, you're going to have to go first. Yeah, well, I, I think I tagged you on Instagram in this. The uh, Willamette Valley Argyle Pinot. It was pretty reasonably priced, and it was very good. And, and it wasn't overpowering, which is what you love from a Pinot. And um, I don't have the stats in front of me, but, you know, once again, Willamette Valley coming through big with the Pinot. Well, Willamette Valley is always a great option. You know, they're always... Delivering with taste, usually smooth, smooth as a baby's bottom. It's amazing. It's amazing to see some of the type of wines that we're able to produce out here. Your recent order of, here we go. (laughs) I, I ordered recently, and these are on the expensive side, so I apologize in advance. People are always saying your, your wines are so expensive, but I ordered a, I don't even know how to say this, so forgive me for, for botching this name, but it's a red wine from Italy. Tignanello. Tignanello. Tign- a 2015 Tignanello, uh, priced at about 109 I ordered uh, three of those. I ordered one of my favorites, Continuum. I love the Continuum uh, out of Oakville. 
It's a, it's a very, very good bottle. It's, it's high priced, but you got the bold taste, more on the tannic side as opposed to smooth. It's a little bit dry and acidic, but you get the almond taste, you get the blackberry and the berry taste, and you also get a little oak and vanilla. So I'm uh, really looking forward to having that one. But for the listeners out there that always complain about the price of a lot of the wines I'm ordering, I'm going to recommend three wines, actually. Uh, what I normally send to folks who want who want a taste of some of Oregon's finest, I normally send them a, I don't even know how to say it, Bo Frere, which is under $100 <laughs> priced. Um, it's from Oregon, all right? You can always get something from Domain. The yeah, price, that's true. The price that's true. Uh, varies from like 20 to, to $300. And Adelsheim has a lot of great buys in that $50 range. You can also get some $25 buys, and there's also some higher priced $150, $200 buys. So those are always my Oregon specials that I recommend people. Shays has some good wines. Eola Estates has some good wines as well. So those of you out there that are saying that my wines are too too expensive, I'm going to start recommending those $25 to $50 buys that I would that I not only have in my cellar, but would love for you to have in yours. The values. There's a lot of value and, out there. Yeah. It's it's all about value. And I understand, like I don't I'm not always drinking expensive bottles of wine. I love I love me a good fifteen dollar buy. And as the saying goes, they usually taste the same after the second one. After glass. the second one. But there's some <laughs> wines. Some of these wines, that first one is sensational. Yeah. Super, super sensational. But I think we, I mean, I think we've covered a lot. This was a, this was a very, very good week. We have a game tomorrow. So when this comes out, we'll be playing the Chicago Bulls. Friday, we'll be playing Charlotte. And then we go on the road for a back-to-back. Um, at that point, by the time the next pod comes out, Jordan will owe me some wine because somebody's <laughs> going to cover this week. Not somebody's, a chance. Somebody's for sure going to cover this week for me. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Honestly, I know I bet against the Eagles, but I hope they win. The, the story would be awesome. It would be. To see them, you know, turn their season around like this and for Nick Foles to really solidify himself as the ultimate Philly legend. Oh, yeah. I mean, the guy is already – he might already be there, but if he keeps this thing rolling, yeah, he's – he'll never have to buy a drink again. He already doesn't have to buy a drink again in Philly. Yeah, I mean, he's good now, but if he can get a, a back-to-back Super Bowls, could you imagine what that city – will go through what will happen to that city dude it could happen what's crazy just to wrap up is we could have eagles cowboys in the nfc championship game and the one division we've hammered all year for being the so like so soft the nfc east man crazy how life works it is all right bro but you can catch us on apple podcast radio.com backslash pull up with cj or wherever you get your shows And don't forget to pull up, pull up.